Hey, everybody. We are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you may have noticed that there's a little bit of a difference. Normally on our YouTube version of the podcast, we've just had a slideshow of images that kind of overlay the audio recording. But this is our first time having actual video feed of myself and the guests, as well as the images of what we're talking about. So uh, if you'd like to actually see us in conversation, feel a little more part of the conversation as you are listening to the podcast, make sure to jump over right now to the Marvel Snaps on YouTube channel and check out the podcast there. Uh, the plan going forward is to have the video present, so uh, we would love to have you check it out on the Marvel Snap Zone YouTube channel. With all that being said, we will jump into today's episode, uh, but before we start talking about our topics, I'd like to introduce uh, our guest, who is a returning guest, Den, a uh, fellow contributor to Marvel Snap Zone. Den, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Like uh, la Last time was, uh, was terrific, so I'm very happy to be back. Yeah, no, uh, you, you and me were talking this week. We have a couple of things we want to talk about. We have... I mean, you just expressed it to me a minute ago. We have some maybe some difficult topics we want to cover today, but we're going to try to break yeah. it down as best as we can for the listeners and, and see how we go. So uh, we will start out with our normal topic, uh, which is the newest card of the week, and that is Nimrod. Uh, so Nimrod is the season pass card. We just started a new season, Days of Future Past, and Nimrod is a five-cost, five-power card that reads, when this is destroyed add a copy to each other location. Uh, I definitely got excited when, you know, this leaked as the season pass card a couple of months ago because I just love Destroy Archetype in Marvel Snap. And so uh, I was very excited to have something that felt different than a lot of the season pass cards we've had lately. Uh, but we, we were maybe a day, day and a half into having Nimrod in the game. So I want to turn it over to you first, Dan. What are your general impressions of Nimrod thus far from what you've seen? I think from a design stain standpoint, like flavor-wise, I really like it. Uh, for a very long time, there there were criticizes around like the locations, and I think it was in January when there was like a flurry of locations that were all destroy-oriented. At some point, like we had, I think it was like a Riggedy Bridge and Altar of Death, and like yeah. all locations, and people kind of got tired of it, and it kind of brought like armor to be the staple it is uh, today, and destroy kind of died out. So I really like that Destroy is finally getting back some new things. And now like Galactus is a little more available to people. And it's kind of the only Destroy in the game that plays around armor because it destroys no matter what. So yeah. I think it was a really good timing to bring Destroy back uh, as a synergy and like remind everyone like, hey, remember, like that's a pretty good synergy and uh, you can build decks around it. So I think the timing and the, and the flavor of the card was really good. Unfortunately, there are other things that are keeping it in the shadow right now. And... Uh, that's just unfortunate. I don't think it's Nimrod's fault by any like uh, measure. Yep. Yeah. I uh, just transitioning from what you said. I, I can't agree more that uh, unfortunately I don't think Nimrod has had the room to shine that the last couple of season pass cards have had. Uh, things like, um, well, I, I guess you could argue that Modok was maybe similar, but I, I almost feel like Modok uh, saw more play than what I'm seeing of Nimrod. Uh, but Modoc before... has a, had a crazy like first two weeks. Yeah, Discord was super popular back then. While uh, Nimrod is for now off to a much slower start compared to Modoc. Yeah, and, and then obviously if we go back another two months before that, we had Zabu and Silver Surfer, which really were meta defining in their time. So definitely Nimrod feels on the less meta defining side, and 
a couple thoughts there. I agree with you. I don't think it's Nimrod's fault. I think Nimrod is a very fun card, a very unique card. But uh, with the current meta, with a lot of Leech being played, uh, I, you know, I saw some clips from multiple creators of just kind of trying to play Nimrod, but being leeched or being arrowed or all these things, right, are very strong counters against Nimrod. And so unfortunately, uh, you know, people are still playing the decks they were playing the week before Nimrod came into the game. And so those decks just happen to be really great counters to what Nimrod can do, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's mostly leech and uh, I guess kind of other things, not in general, but like other other decks and the way they work, like Iro is extremely popular, which is annoying when you're trying to play Galactus. Uh, Armor, we talked about it. Cosmo is also a pretty yep. popular card. Like, uh, there, there's a lot of things that go against Destroy back from the time where Destroy was arguably the best synergy in the game. And uh, like I think it's really the fact that at some point, Destroy was the best synergy in the game. People started adapting to it. And then people realized, like, but these are just good cards. Like, even if there's no destroy in the meta, I mean, Armor is a 2-3. Cosmo is just overall good. Iroh is amongst the best card in the game. So these cards just stayed. And every time, like, destroy comes back, it's just like, why is everyone running tech cards against me? And they're, it's just because they're good cards at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little tough going there for Nimrod, um, but I would like to talk about you know what potential does he have because I still think there are some fun decks that can be built around Nimrod that I hope uh, have even a greater chance to shine down the road, right? Maybe they're not uh, in the best spot in this moment, but I would love to see them grow. So, so one thing I want to talk about, kind of uh, what I think maybe one of the best synergies is Arnim Zola, uh, and love I'll, it. I'll explain the context there because. You know, obviously we all know Arnim Zola, you destroy the card, uh, destroy a card at that location and, and create a copy at each other location. Well, that sounds great, but that's kind of already what Nimrod does. But that's good because when you actually destroy Nimrod with Arnim Zola, you get two copies of Nimrod at each location. Because Nimrod's text say when this when Nimrod's text says when this card is destroyed, create copies at the other location. So it's destroyed, it does that, but then Arnim Zola's text will then create additional copies. So Especially if you've done something like a Shuri into Nimrod, so you get a 10 power Nimrod, and then you destroy it with Arnim Zola, you're adding 20 power to two other locations, potentially on the last turn of the game. Which I think I, I think that's the most powerful combo I've seen thus far when it when it works. Now often somebody arrows on turn six and pulls the Arnim Zola to a you know to a different location, things like that, or Cosmo. But uh, maybe what other synergies or ideas have you seen people trying out with Nimrod in the last 24 hours? Mm. I think definitely by far the most popular has been uh, Galactus. Um, although, like, unfortunately, like, I don't, I personally don't think it was a, it was good enough, and like, Iroh is way too popular, and uh, and these kind of cards. Uh, I really like Arnim Zola, as you mentioned. Like, uh, I think Electro just loves that uh, Nimrod is just another Arnim Zola target because we already had like the the Black Panther synergy, so there's just like ways of. Uh, of branching these so this is something that i think is really fun uh, i have seen a couple of people try it like i've tried in deadpool like mainly like decks that are able to double destroy nimrod on six yeah so like uh, because like most destroyed like the, the cheap ones are like two or three so you try to double destroy so kind of like patterns where you would go shuri on four nimrod on five double destroyed on six th these kind of things but kind of the same thing is like if you just compare it to shuri zero 
why don't you just do Shuri into Red Skull into copy it at the end of the day? So for now, like Nimrod is in this kind of weird like place where there are definitely good things to do with the card, but it's just if you compare it, there's always something that you're like, yeah, that's just better, unfortunately. And hopefully, like we should be due a balance patch. I mean, everyone now has asked for it, I think, at this point. And I think when that's gonna hit. Nimrod could be a really, really super fun card to experiment around. Yeah, you make an interesting point. It feels like Nimrod's one of the... It does something unique, but you can kind of... In the decks you can put him in, there's other cards that can accomplish the same goals of trying to win locations, right? Uh, Shuri Zero being a great example, right? Why not just play what uh, you know we've already been playing and seen so much popularity with? Um, which is a little sad, right? Because my hope is that... Uh, each card can kind of be its own thing and, and and really make something unique, right? Not every card's going to be do that. We have tech cards. You're never going to have a Shadow King deck, right? Uh, that's built around Shadow King as a strategy, right? Because it's just a tech card. But um, I would love to see Nimrod truly shine. Like you say, potentially after a patch or some changes that are made that um, maybe balance out the counters to Nimrod currently. I, I'd be really interested to see how that plays out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Same. Like... Yeah. Um, so continuing on, uh, I think Nimrod's a really interesting card. I'm excited to see, hopefully, it do a little bit better in the future. But the next topic we'd like to cover is uh, some changes made to the game and how certain things are done uh, in the last week. So First off, we'd like to talk about the upcoming changes to featured and hot locations. So this was tweeted out a couple of days ago at time of recording. And uh, there's a couple changes here. One, they have lowered the time for the featured locations when new locations come out normally on, uh, you know, depending on, you know, what time zone you're in, Monday, Tuesday, um, or maybe, sorry, it's Tuesday, Wednesday. They, uh, those will no longer be featured for 48 hours. They will only be featured for 24 hours. This is something we've talked a lot about on previous podcast episodes, right? Like what if they lowered the time? Wouldn't that be nice? And maybe we wouldn't be pulling our hair out. So I think that was the most obvious change, right? Uh, to make those shorter so that, uh, you know, if it's a little bit of a frustrating location, it's just one day and you know, then it's over. Right. But I think, the more interesting change to me with this that I didn't see specifically coming is that they are going to be releasing less new locations is what they've said per season, right? So sometimes that uh, feature location that's earlier in the week because the hot location is over the weekend will be an already existing location. So that one I didn't see, uh, you know, that one wasn't as apparent to me or necessary to me. So I'm curious your thought on these changes and especially that second change, if you think that was a necessary change. I I think it's maybe like that. That's the complete guess, but it's maybe so they can have more room to experiment on other topics. Because mm. um, with the calendar that they fixed, like we were having a new location, a new card, and um, the location was pretty impactful for forty-eight hours. But usually, like locations were either receiving like a hooray from the community, like location is so cool, we have new decks pushing, changing the meta. Or it was a complete disaster. People were just tweeting out that they stopped playing Marvel Snap for 48 hours. And for cards, it was kind of the same. Like, it was either the card was super expected, people have been saving tokens, and I don't think we've had that too much yet. Uh, or it was just people complaining, like, we don't have access to the card, we can't play with it. And I think maybe reducing 
would give people more time to adapt, more time to prepare, um, and potentially like more time to just get ready for when these kind of things happen, which could be a good thing, I think, yeah. overall. And also open other things in the game. Like, I don't know, maybe it's stupid, but I don't know how much time they needed to get all these locations, to patch the game, to, to do these kind of things that obviously that should be kind of a, a, some work. So maybe now they can, I don't know, patch, balance patch more often. Uh, maybe they can work on like, I don't know, uh, videos to keep us updated, that kind of thing. Like, I mean, it, it takes men power to do everything. So at some point yep. you got to priori- you got to have your priorities straight. Yeah. You make a lot of interesting points. Uh, and, and I think one of the key things that you said, and I, and I think a lot of other creators have said, and I guess I should preface this by saying, I know they're not like creating the game just for content creation, right? But one of yeah. uh, something that content creators have run into is, oh, they get the new card. And of course they want to make videos. They want to stream the new card. They want to do all these things. But then a featured location is the next day, right? And so then it's yeah. like, I want to play this card, but this card has horrible synergy in the new location for 48 hours. So I guess I'll play this card in three days from now. Uh, if they can get the card at all, right? Uh, at, at when it releases, uh, that's a whole nother conversation. And, and I, you know, changes are coming there as well. But um, I, I think that was frustrating to a lot of people, right? Uh, that it was kind of, how does the card come out this week synergize with the featured location, right? Sometimes... It was good. Sometimes it was really bad. And it just kind of felt like a toss up of, am I going to be playing this card at the beginning of the week or am I going to be playing this card at the end of the week? Um, so I think I think that was interesting. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. It's like, I, I really like the fact that they were very active and um, they were really trying to shake things up, which I think for a card game is the most important aspect of a card game. Like you want to keep it fresh as much as yeah. possible. Like, Otherwise, people are just going to not complain, but they're going to say something about it because they don't like feel like it's new and innovative and things like this. So I think since October, they probably Marvel Snap has been one of the most active games mm-hmm. because there were so many of these little things. I mean, if you compare to, I don't know, Hearthstone, Legends of Runeterra, Magic, these are like kind of old systems. You get an expansion yep. every X time, balance patch X time after the expansion, and we just roll like this. Marvel Snap took a completely different system, which was, we're going to give you just a little bit, but you get it every single week. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when they announced it, I haven't seen many people say it was a bad idea. A lot of people were like praising this new system because a lot of people were like, yes, we're tired of waiting a month and a half for the matter to change, even if it's a huge change. Give us yep. a little incremental change. But maybe they were just doing it a little too much or mm. it was just not enough. So I guess like Marvel Snap is what now? Like October, so that's six months old. It's normal that they're going to experiment with different things or they're going to try a new system. So honestly, like even if we go from four times a month to two times a month, but it's more impactful and more fun and more innovative, maybe it's going to be even better. Yeah, you make a really great point. And I think that's interesting. I never really had thought about it in that way. Obviously, during the beta period, they were able to test a lot of things. But during the beta period, we were all going through pool one, pool two, pool three, you know, unlocking cards kind of at that initial stage. Yep. And there, were, there weren't a ton of new cards being added to the game except for season passes. And so it wasn't something yeah, that we could... were not feeling it. Like we didn't yeah. know about it. because. Yep. Yep. So we, we didn't really get to experiment with that like true weekly release structure until after essentially the game was released. Right. So yep. that, that's very interesting. So, yeah, I, that's that's software for you. Right. It's like you you try to 
know how things are, how customers are going to respond to your product and the features you have, but certain things you just really can't know how they will work until you get that real, that real world feedback. And this is probably one of those things. So, yeah, I, th I think that's very interesting. Um, I'd like to talk about another change briefly that they made. And that is now when you are playing on ladder, uh, it, previously it was when you reach a new rank floor, we'll call it, which is every 10 levels, yes. um, you would receive essentially 10 extra cubes from where you uh, landed. So like if you went from uh, 79 to 80, but let's say you went to 79 to 80 and you had like, you were level 80, but you had five extra cubes, for example, right? You would actually go to like level 81, rank 81 with five cubes toward, you know, halfway to 82, right? That's, that's how it yes. worked before. Now, when you reach a new floor of every 10 levels, you are given 50 extra cubes or five extra ranks. Um, you know, they, they gave some of their reasoning that they, you know, especially with this last season, I think a lot of people felt that people were not climbing as fast, you know, as they were before. And there was definitely some frustration in the community of the difficult climb, especially where, you know, depending on where you were with your MMR uh, to be able to climb to infinite or even just higher ranks. And so this, they, they've said, is kind of the first of potentially multiple changes. They've kind of alluded to this isn't all they're going to do with ranked climbing. But this is one change that hopefully is going to help people feel that, you know, the climb is more possible and that uh, they're not giving you true, you know, rank floors where it's like, okay, you can't go lower than this rank once you reach it, but it gives you that extra buff. So even if you drop down a little bit, you don't have to climb back as far up to get to the next uh, level. Yeah, it kind of takes a bit to lose 50 cubes. Yeah, uh, I, I've i lost 50 cubes pretty fast before, but I agree with you. Normally it takes a little bit of time, but uh, I've had my bad days where <laughs> that happens in a day or two. Yeah, so yeah. what do you think about the change? I think the change is really smart, to be honest. Like, I really like the change overall. And uh, mostly, I think, like, the, the way I saw it at first, because uh, I saw a lot of reactions, and I was kind yeah. of amongst them, where I was like, why are they just feeding us the infinite rank? Like, why are they making it so easy? I don't like it. Like, let me play the game. Especially as infinite, apart from a resources standpoint, doesn't really mean much. Yeah. So, and then like I had a, a talk with with the friend that told me like maybe it's just because it's from a technical standpoint difficult for them to have rank floors yet. Like we don't know technologically like what do they have to implement to create rank floors. So maybe it was just a button for them. Like okay, so the ten value we're gonna switch it to a fifty value instead of needing to code a lot of things to just implement rank floor like they have yeah. for the infinite rank. And once like I've started looking at it from this point of view i was like oh yeah that makes a lot of sense maybe it's just soft rank floor because they couldn't make hard rank floor just yet like technologically yeah that i mean that's again i i hopefully i don't sound like a broken record to listeners you know i, I my day job is i work in software right i work with software teams and so like 100 i mean often that's that's how you decide on a solution you say well we could do it this way and spend six months you know coding up the technology and changing our infrastructure or we could do it in like three weeks and do it this way, which gets us most of the way there, right? We get kind of the general idea yeah. and feel. So yeah, that, that's a really great point. Uh, you know, I've definitely seen a lot of people, uh, you know, I, I guess I say a lot of people that anecdotally, like people are posting online, like I climbed to infinite in, you know, 12 hours, first day, right? But honestly, I felt like that was happening in previous seasons anyway, right? Like you always had those people 
that were making that climb super fast, right? So I don't yeah. know if it's really changed because I see lots of people, lots of creators that are great at playing the game that, you know, they're still making their climb and they're not there yet, right? Um, which is not a bad thing. You know, they're still they're still working their way up the, the ladder. So I think it'll be interesting. I, I guess where, you know, my brain goes and we don't know is like, okay, they said there's going to be more changes. Like what, where do they go from here, right? Is it more just iterating on this and it is true rank floors? I'm guessing no. I'm guessing there's some other piece to this puzzle that we don't know yet that they are going to do to enhance the experience. And I don't know if you have any thoughts or guesses or anything you'd like to see. I mean, some people are saying like, oh, I think they're going to get rid of bots, right? Or change how bots work on the ladder or infinite, et cetera. I don't know if you have any thoughts, opinions there, or if, you, you know, obviously this is guesswork. This is complete guesswork, but just curious your thoughts yeah. there. I mean, I think we would all love for bots to disappear. I think like, especially over the last few months, now that we've had people that mainly streamers and, uh, and I'm not going to say like, I know like some people think of it as a bad way, but because like people that reach like rank, I don't know, 700, a thousand, of course they're playing against bots. And I've seen a lot of people say, but why are they abusing bots? Like it makes no sense. It's not interesting for the game. Why would you want to do this? And the thing is, maybe they just don't have a choice simply because, well, they're streamers. Their job is to create content. So once they reach that point where they face mostly bots, what are they supposed to do? Stream something else for the rest of the season? Yeah. So it's kind of that problem where, I mean, they've committed, they have a community, they have people expecting them to play Marvel Snap. And so, yeah, the, the, the solutions are you go back to a new account or you play against bots. Like it's 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 not rocket science. Like you either go back to the start of the line or you just push the line even further where nobody is. And so yes, definitely this month I think uh, educated Collins, mostly KM Best, all these kind of guys that have like broken the MMR of Marvel Snap basically, have uh, said we're not having fun. Like we the people that are abusing bots want the bots gone. Like we're not having fun. This is not a a, a good experience. So I think it's it should be amongst their priorities. But at the same time, there's the other part of the of the players, like those that aren't in these bot MMRs and things like this, that kind of want to climb. And it's it's a little like sad to say it this way. But sometimes, like when you're facing like the best decks in the game and things like this over and over again, facing a bot once in a while like kind of helps the climb. Yeah. Like, so it's it's really weird because I feel like on the bot problem, like I think every no one is going to say no. I want to keep the bots. Like I think everyone wants them gone, but at the same time, if you remove them, I think a lot of people are going to be frustrated because the climb is going to be so much harder, like yeah. instantly. Yeah. So it's it's a double edged sword. I think like it's it's really hard to please everyone. The question is, who do we please? And how do we make it that they're pleased, but the others aren't like feeling like left, uh, left out or something like this? Yeah, I will. I'll be first to raise my hand and say, you know, I'm okay with the. You know, I, I feel good when I get the occasional bot. You know, maybe I'm having a rough day with my climb and I'm kind of stagnant in my climb, and then I just get that bot that just gifts me, you know, four or eight cubes with some bad plays. Uh, you know, obviously that. Uh, I, Again, I realize that like if I remove myself from the moment, I'm like, yeah, it was this as fun as like playing against a real person and emoting and like thinking about the strategy more. It's not right, but like it definitely feels like okay, like I'm I'm still making a little bit of progress, uh, 
even if I'm having a, a hard time against some of the more meta decks, right? Um, so, so it's a tricky, it's a tricky balance, and this is why I'm glad I'm not a game designer because I don't <laughs> yes. know how to, I don't know how to solve it, right? Uh, I think, I think they're they're going to try to solve uh, these types of problems that we're talking about, but how they do that exactly, time will tell, and we'll obviously be talking about it when that happens. But uh, you know, I definitely think they have they have room to grow, room to improve here uh, at all levels, right? For both, they have to look at it from the people that are just starting the game and are learning the game and the people who are rank a thousand right uh you know you have to to, that's the real challenge like you need to please everyone yeah and like when you have such a system like their system makes it that you can't come in and be at the same level as anyone else like you have to grind marvel snap like it's definitely a grindy a grindy system so when you make a change you kind of have to think about like how those people at different stages of the progression are going to be impacted. It's not like every other game where you're just like, yeah, just buy the cards. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so like, I feel like a lot of people are, and myself included, we're coming in with our card game knowledge. We're all going like, yeah, I've been playing for five years. I've been playing for 10 years. I've been playing for 20 years. I know stuff. And then sometimes, and, and then like at some point we look at like Marvel Snap specifically and we're like, yeah, but that's completely new. I don't know that stuff actually. Like I, I know card games, but they're like trying. I don't know if people like, Think they're actually doing it or not but they're trying to push some boundaries in the card game like yeah. uh, universe so yeah. that includes like messing up that includes like trying stuff that includes like collecting opinions that's that's just part of the process yeah yeah and i, and I think they've done a good job of, of taking feedback of learning growing um but but you know as consumers we all want it now right so uh, you know yeah. i see i see the discourse online every says i haven't made this change it's because because they're not magic, right? They can't just, you know, snap yeah. their fingers and the changes are made. Uh, some of these things are very complex problems that may require rewriting whole sections of the code that exist perfectly now, but they may have to change working things to fix broken things, right? So, yeah, uh, true. And we don't even know what like are the the intrications behind, like whether what contracts do they have with Marvel as a brand or things yeah. like this, like. Maybe they need to like ask someone at Marvel headquarters every time they want to change the game. We don't know about these kind of things. Yeah, yeah, but time will tell. It'll be interesting. Uh, thank you for talking about these, you know, changes. I think uh, it's been an interesting week in the news, kind of the online online discourse about these changes. Um, but now I'd like to turn to our final and kind of the the rest of our episode, the final segment. I'd like to talk about. We're going to do our best here to try to get through uh, as many of the decks as we can here, but. Uh, many of you have reached out to me about some of the previous topics that me and Den have actually covered together, which is snapping and Marvel Snap. You know, Den and I have had previous conversations a couple of months ago on the podcast about, uh, you know, how to snap, when to snap, uh, this idea of like organizing decks by snapping strategies. Uh, there's all these thoughts. And so uh, one thing we want to talk about today is, uh, you know, often there are deck lists people share online. They say, oh, this is a great deck list. This is the best deck list or you know, on Marvel Snap Zone, we have a tier list that gets, you know, updated normally weekly and, you know, kind of shows some of the best decks. Something that people have been asking me about is, great, I have the deck now. You know, I can see that this is the list I should be playing, but how do I snap with this deck, right? Um, now, obviously, there's no perfect answer to that question for each deck. But I we kind of was. Yeah, but we're going to maybe... <laughs> I wish I could tell <laughs> anyone, hey, snap turn three, snap turn yeah. five. Snap. Yeah, so we're going to just do our best to kind of talk about some of the top tier decks uh, from the, you know, the last couple of weeks and some general ideas, guidelines, principles, thoughts on 
how a snapping strategy could work for a deck like this. So we will dive in here with our first deck, and that is Lockjaw Thanos, right? So this is currently, uh, as you know, from the last update to the tier list from March 1st, this is what sits atop the tier list is the Lockjaw Thanos deck. Um, yeah. We've all seen it. We've all been playing, you know, if you're kind of uh, higher in pool three, etc. cetera. Um, so uh, obviously this will be a conversation between the two of us, but um, curious what your thoughts are on this first one, Dan, as far as snapping, because some of the best cards you can play on this deck kind of turn five, turn six, in my opinion, are Arrow and Leech, right? Yes. Or, or potentially you're getting those out even earlier with Wave. Um, do you feel like this is kind of a, a hand snap deck once you have a certain hand? Or is it more looking at the board, et cetera? What, what are your snapping strategies with the Lockjaw Thanos deck? I think part of what makes it such a good deck is that it's both. Mm. I think you can definitely snap a hand where you have like Quinjet Lockjaw or like Sunspot Lockjaw or like Lockjaw mostly. Um, that's something you can snap. I, I wouldn't see like a problem snapping that kind of hand. You're going to win more often than you don't. Um, or like when you have like Greenstone Lich, that's also mm. a combo that has been doing a lot of work lately. So th there are possibilities. It's not a problem that you go hand snap. Then I think the big emphasis on when to snap with this deck and personally what I would look out like the, the most is try to snap early enough because this is a deck that everyone knows about at this point. Like you're not going to surprise many people with Lockjaw Thanos. Yep. So you need to snap early enough that people are going to stay in the game. <laughs> That's uh, it might be a little stupid to say, but like most of the time on the ladder, if you snap and they know who you are, they're gonna leave. So the the big part of like snapping with an extremely strong deck is trying to do it early enough so the opponent doesn't leave. Yeah. So to me, I think it would be a hand snapping. Currently, I would play as a hand snapping deck and trying to snap as early as possible because people are not gonna stay once they like if you snap once you have lockjaw into leech no one's going to stay in that situation, like, obviously. So you need to find that little, like, breathing room where you know you're going to win, but your opponent doesn't yet. So I think it's around, like, two to, like, max four, probably, yeah. something like that. Yeah. No, it's, as you were talking, that's exactly kind of the range I was thinking, uh, ideally, because by then you kind of say, like, like, if you haven't drawn a lot of stones or you haven't drawn Lockjaw, right, and all of a sudden all you have is high-cost cards in your hand that you're not going to be able to, you know, play a lot of them out, right? You kind of know uh, by that stage, you've only got a couple more draws left. And so uh, you kind of know if you're set up to really kind of get your machine going with Lockjaw or other things like that with this deck, right? Um, yep. Yeah. So so interesting thoughts on the Lockjaw Thanos deck. Um, next on the tier list currently is the Shuri Zero deck, right? Um, we've already talked about this in some of our previous conversations talking about Nimrod, uh, but man, this is a powerful deck. And uh, my guess is you feel similarly about this as kind of a, a hand snap combo. That's at least how I play this deck, right? If I am on, you know, turn two, three, four, kind of that middle range again, and I have Shuri plus a big card I can play with Shuri plus like Taskmaster in my hand, you know, it's an easy snap, right? Um, but I guess I'm curious, you know, that's my initial thought, but do you feel differently? Because I know some people maybe aren't snapping unless they have armor and Cosmo they can put out on the board to kind of protect themselves. I, well, it's 
Well, it's not difficult to say, but yeah, once again, like we're kind of in a situation where you want to snap early enough so they don't leave because they just figured out you have Shiri and Red Skull and that kind of stuff. But differently to the Thanos deck where you can cheat cards and you can be a little surprised, I also think it's important to recognize when do you want to snap mm. um, based on the recognition you have of your opponent. Because you have armor, because what well, this list plays Cosmo, um, even sometimes a Polaris against a Galactus archetype or like an Iro against a Galactus, you have more tech cards. And because you don't have that energy cheating like Thanos Lockjaw has, you can like anticipate them a little bit more, I think. Mm. You, you can have a better view of when do you want to play them, when do you want to develop them on the board and things like this. So I think in that regard, you could have like kind of a strategy where you would snap based on tech cards. It's much more risky. I would say it's more like advanced once you really feel comfortable with the deck. But you could have these kind of like counter snaps, which is I know what you're playing. I know I have the card in the game that's a problem to you. I'm confident. I think yeah. this this is also why Shuri Zero is that good. Like it's just it's not just Shuri into Red Skull into Taskmaster. Like we found card that just complements it really well and gives it that great flexibility and makes it a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think like, I don't want to say something I don't re actually really believe, but I, I almost feel like I've lost this deck more often, not because of the high power it can put out in locations. I mean, I, you know, I've lost to the, those scenarios or I've had to retreat often in those scenarios, but almost more often it's probably, yeah, the Polaris, the arrow, the Cosmo, the armor, right. That has thrown me off my game because they, you know, they know what I'm going to do and they've just got the right card to counter that, right. With some of these powerful tech yeah. cards. And uh, yeah, I, I have been double snapped in those scenarios, but uh, always trying to uh, be better at retreating in those kinds of scenarios. Right. Uh, when I, when I can kind of tell this is the deck, right. If I see armor and Cosmo zero sunspot, like these is coming out at the beginning of the game, I need to know, okay, what is their, what is their possibilities for blocking me? Right. And so, uh, if they're snapping, it couldn't. It might not be just because they have a big card that, you know, like I could Shang Chi. It could be that they have the ultimate defense to what I'm playing out, right? Um, so yeah, an interesting and very powerful deck. Um, well, so those are kind of the ones we have at the very top, and then but continuing down the ladder, uh, this is one of the ones we have on there. Sarah Control, which I, I have not played this one as much as the other two, um, so I'm probably gonna lean a little bit more on here. I mean, I understand the idea here, right? Um, you are you're playing kind of a a dark hawk deck. That's one of the, the one of the good things you can get out with this deck, right? You with the combination of Zabu and Sarah, you can lower four cost cards to be you know two cost cards like you could originally with Zabu, right? So you kind of potentially have a strong uh, turn six play, you know, where you could get three four cost cards out. Um, so with that kind of a often late game play, but also kind of this control with polaris killmonger etc where are you snapping with this deck this deck is i think one of the most difficult to figure out when to snap because you could snap based on your hand like if you have zebu sarah darkhawk in hand you could say like all right we're just we're just going off and uh, we're happy and then just like Zabu, uh, just like shuri zero before but this one actually is built around that concept we are a reactive deck so I think we're going to snap more based on the opponent than on us specifically. This is a Dark yeah. Oak variant, so you have a little bit more control and like anticipation. 
on uh, where your points are going to end up. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing is trying to figure out like what is the opponent up to and what can you do against it. And once you have that, you should be almost like good to know if you're supposed to snap or not because you know their game plan, you know your tech cards. So how do they match against each other, basically? Like that's the big question to know when to snap. And um, it's it's honestly hard to know. The, the, once again, like the earlier you snap, the the likely like the more likely it is that they're gonna stay in. But the earlier you snap and the less information you have, so more of a gamble it is. So it's really hard. Like it's kind of a of a of a bet. Like how much risk do you want to take against like how likely it is that your opponent stays in the game? Kind of. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, a great way to explain this. I think the other two we've talked about maybe have a little bit more clear pattern of a style. But this one, like you say, it's really a lot of these things, Shang-Chi, Enchantress, Killmonger, Polaris, right? Like they have the potential to, you know, really swing a location or, you know, the power across the board in, in the very end game. But if you're snapping on turn two or three, like you may not have drawn your full set of tech cards you're going to have to play in the end game, right? Um, you may say, oh, I have Sarah, so I'm going to be able to play out more at the end, but uh, there is that chance it's not going to be enough, right? So it's a very interesting, uh, kind of a different play style than, than some of the other decks we've talked about. Uh, continue on to the next one. So we're back to another Thanos deck. Um, and I really like this one. I, I really like, uh, you know, um, for listeners, this, this one uh, is different than kind of the other Thanos deck. This one you're uh, you know, trying to fill up the board a little bit more. You have things like Kazar, Blue Marvel to really pump up the power of those stones across the board. You have things like Valkyrie, uh, which is a great card where your cards are buffed. You're lowering the power of your opponent's cards, bringing your cards power up. Uh, I think there's a lot of unique combos you can do with this deck. Um, and I'm guessing this one plays... Well, I don't know. Like... Uh, I don't comparing this to the other Thanos deck definitely isn't apples to apples, but definitely whenever I'm playing a Thanos deck, like I'm looking at like, do I have stones to increase my draw? And do I have Quinjet? Things like that at the beginning of the game that are kind of leading me towards should I snap or should I not? Uh, would you agree that that's kind of like one of the patterns to look at with this deck as well? Yeah, you definitely have a, a very proactive uh take on this deck. And I mean, it's the ongoing synergy. Ongoing synergy is very like focused on kind of itself the the only card that could push you to snap based on matchup is valkyrie i think it's safe to snap shiri zero mostly uh if you have valkyrie uh but yeah otherwise it's really about like look at your hand know how many points you're able to develop have a guess at how many points the opponent could develop if you think you have more just go for it like, yeah that's kind of proactive decks and what they do is like they're, they're not necessarily trying to make things too difficult and uh and this is why the, um, how was it called? The the ongoing destroyer at some point like burst out onto the scene because the deck was extremely easy to play and very effective for the, the requirements he was uh, asking like, yeah. in order to play it well. It was, you could clearly see it's like, do I have the combination to lay out over the course of the game in my hand to win two locations, right? Exactly. Uh, and this, this plays similarly. Um, I think, you know, interesting with this one, right? Like you, uh, not always, right? But like, Things like Valkyrie are, I think, more powerful when your uh, your opponent has the initiative, you know, near the end of the game, right? So that they're going to play out, especially with uh, Shuri Zero, right? So, like, they're going to play out that high-power card 
Um, you know, maybe they played a high power card on five and then on six, they're going to play another one, uh, you know, whether a taskmaster or something else. And so you can kind of choose which location you affect with Valkyrie, which I think is powerful. And so, you know, uh, kind of one of those interesting things of, with snapping that comes into this idea of um, who has initiative right throughout the game and how do you balance that? Like, can I know there's times where it's like I've wanted to snap, but I feel like my opponent, because of the deck they're playing, is like, I know I'm going to have initiative going into the later turns of the game, right? And so yeah. then it becomes trickier, right? Should I snap? Should I not? Because they're going to maybe have just the better uh, protection at the end of the game from what I can potentially do to them, right? Yeah, I mean, th- this is kind of the thing with uh, with proactive decks is you're coming in with a game plan and you're kind of pushing for that game plan to to work if your game plan doesn't work yeah your your deck crumbles like quite easily so it's a yeah it's a difficult line to walk but uh, i think it's also quite like rewarding to to be able to to get those reads so i, I personally like the, these kind of decks a lot yeah yeah i agree uh, i think we have time for maybe maybe two more decks here uh, with the time we have left so we'll jump into this one uh, so this is the old uh, Electro Ramp Sandman, which uh, really has seen more play. I mean, this this build, this particular build, we're looking at Sunspot, Iceman, Ebony Maw, Electro, Wave, Leech, Black Panther, Sandman, Arnim Zola, Doctor Doom, Odin, and America Chavez, for those who are only listening. Um, this has seen, uh, you know, I'd say a fair amount of play since the changes to Sandman in the last couple of weeks, which brought his cost up, but also his power retaining his ability to you and your opponent ongoing you and your opponent can only play one card per turn so um i'm guessing if you you know if you can electro wave in a sandman depending on the deck you're playing against this is that's a pretty easy snap combination in my mind yeah definitely and uh, this is actually the deck that we were talking about for nimrod i think mm. this is a, a very easy inclusion for nimrod where you would just put nimrod on turn uh on turn five and have Arnim Zola and then Odin, which is basically a second Black Panther. Um, but yeah. yeah, like th- this is another very proactive deck. And uh, once again, like the snap is a lot, if not almost only about once you figure out that your game plan is going to be good against your opponent, you need to snap. Yep. Like, because you almost need to snap before you get to... Um, before you get to electro because once you have electro down everybody everyone kind of knows what's going to happen afterwards so they have the punish or they don't that's it's very like reductive to say it this way but it actually kind of is the way it's going to go down yeah so i think it's very much a hand snapping deck because you're not very flexible you don't have many tech cards there are different ways of building the deck to include more tech cards if that's what you fancy but uh, yeah, I'd, like these are parts of the deck where I think it's absolutely not worth it trying to make it complicated. Like you have a deck and just play play what the deck gives you because that's how it's built. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think you you said some statement kind of early on that like as soon as you know your combo, like you have the combo pieces, but you know it's going to be good against what your opponent's playing, right? Because if you're playing this against something like Shuri Zero where they're only wanting to play one card per turn, or there's other decks like that, like, this, you know, it doesn't really help you, right, in the same way. I mean, it can, but uh, often um, this is going to be best about something that's trying to flood the board 
throughout the game or late in the game, right? Um, things like Thanos, you know, it plays well against that or things like Mr. Negative, things with Sarah, all of these things, right? Where your, your opponent's trying to play into that ability to play more cards later in the game. Um, uh, you kind of have to feel feel some level of confidence that that the snapping is going to be a good choice because of the the matchup right yeah i mean that's it's really like there there are three kind of decks in marvel snap like if i go really broadly there's like the flexible ones that are able to do everything and currently they're dominating the game which is Thanos, lockjaw and shiri zero they're the ones that are coming in with their own game plan and they're trying to force it onto the opponent which are kind of the decks that we're seeing now and then they're the reactive ones, which have like built based on what they expect their opponent to do in their metagame, which is Sarah. And mm-hmm. uh, all these decks like kind of have their own way of snapping. But the more time passes and the more mobile snap looks like a lot of other card games where the same decks kind of come back a lot and recognition is starting to be much easier to do. So the easiest your deck it, it, it is to be recognized and uh, the earlier you have to snap because otherwise you're not going to keep anyone engaged. That is, I think, some great advice that we all all should take into account as we're playing the game. But we are just out of time with uh, kind of uh, the time we have here to record today. Uh, but I really appreciate this conversation, Dan. Uh, it's a tricky conversation. Uh, <laughs> by, by no means are we, the, you know, the perfect experts on this topic, but I think there's a lot that could be discussed and can continue to be discussed in the community about uh, snapping strategy for different types of decks, right? Uh, in a lot of ways, we've learned so much with Marvel Snap, but I still think as the game continues to grow, there's still so much we can we can talk about and strategies we can discuss with this. Yeah, I mean, Marvel Snap at the end of the day is still very new. Like, it's still, it's, it's still a game that I don't think anyone has, like, finished Marvel Snap. Like, I don't think anyone can say, yeah, I think I'm done with the game. I know everything there is to do, to mm-hmm. know and everything. And, I mean, the day someone's going to say that is probably going to get hit with a balance patch anyway. So he just gets to relearn everything anyways. So, yeah, I think, like, there's definitely a lot of things that can be done, whether it's in the Snap strategy, in the deck building department. Like, I think the the game is much deeper than we want to, than we want to allow ourselves to believe that he is. So, yeah, like, let's try stuff. Let's let's be creative, and especially in the snap department. Like, snapping is as much as, like, us as players, it's also our opponent is evolved in our snapping because it's yeah. do they accept it or not. So we have to think about how they're going to see the snap. Otherwise, like, it's never going to work. Yep, yep. Constant retreats um, if you snap at the, in, the inopportune times, right? So Exactly. Well, thank you again for being on the show this week. Really appreciate it. And we hope to have you back again soon. Whenever you want to have me, like I'm having a blast every time. Awesome. Okay. Well, listeners, thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you for kind of checking out this first time uh, where we have videos uh, as part of the podcast. So make sure you are subscribed to the Marvel Snaps on YouTube channel so you can catch this every week. Uh, And we, as we ask every week, if you are listening to this on YouTube, please leave a like, a comment, all those great things so that we can get more reach more people coming back. And if you were listening to this on a podcasting platform, please leave a rating so that we can get more people finding our podcast and kind of servicing the podcast on those podcasting platforms. Uh, With all that being said, we thank you for listening and we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks.